welcome. Welcome. And there is some very, very exciting news going on out there for the world of hazmat that is slowly starting to shift in their decon from the 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 standard or what was the standard uh, three pool method over to uh, more of the dryer decon frontline technologies is putting out their 2024 train the trainer dates for their hybrid decon. Yeah, they're going to be doing first line uh, decon is going to first line is going to be doing live demos, real scenarios played out by you and the team. So this is not a death by PowerPoint type operation. No, it's actually two days of nothing but hands-on experience with the hybrid decon system itself. So you're going to be using the Dahlgren, you're going to be using the FiberTex, you're going to be going through the entire system. Yeah, so the December class that they had already scheduled, it looks like it's full, but the next one is going to be February 21st and 22nd. So go check it out at firstlinetech.com slash THMG and let them know where you got it. And speaking of training, Mike. Yeah, as long as you're doing... As long as you're doing any other training than the decon training, which you should definitely go there for, uh, Mm -hmm. how about having us come in and do some of the training? You've been listening to us on the radio now for seven years. Why not see us in person? Yeah, we deliver experience and not just a boring training because when we come, we're bringing new, fresh, updated stuff that wasn't designed years ago and we're just phoning it in. Every course is updated for fresh takes and this takes a lot of time and effort, but it's worth it. And we've partnered with a whole bunch of companies that are at the cutting edge of technology. So we'll be walking into your classroom with the latest gear and the latest Mm. gadgets to make the educational experience absolutely phenomenal. I love it. So we will guarantee our instructors come engaged, locked and loaded. So don't let your uh, potential go untapped. Contact us at thehazmatguys.com slash hire us and reserve your spot to start your transformational journey today. Ah, we're back. Yes. Episode 418, and got, baby. Yeah. We're, and we're talking about mail because we got a lot. We do. So every, we every once in a while, we got we to gotta go through the questions that we go and we go, you, you, just when we think there's like nothing else to talk about, we get questions. <laughs> and I yeah. sit there and I go, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And it's like, well, crap, there's a whole bunch of questions that just came in. Let's address some of them. Yeah. So, so just uh, quickly get me. I, I got the conference list here because I knew Mike was going to snooker yay, me on that one. Where, where uh, are we going to be? Just okay. Oklahoma is this weekend. Michigan, Ontario, South Carolina, Connecticut, Wamer, which is Wisconsin, New England, Cold Zone, New York State, and Baltimore. That's the current list in order. I love the fact that Ontario. Like we are, we are being adopted by Canada. That's gonna be a really good one because we're doing like we're doing scavenger hunts. We're doing all types of fun stuff for everybody up there. So yeah, wait for us. We'll be there. Yeah. And we've got actual trainings happening up in Canada as well. So we are brushing yeah. up on our Canadian, uh, trying to you know get uh, get get the a a a trying to be really nice. <laughs> you know how hard it is for a New Yorker to go into Canada and like try to blend oh. in. Yeah, it's very difficult. Sore thumb. 
All right. So the very first question we have is about something called the 1300 rule. And the question had come in, hey, are you guys aware of this rule? And in reality, what can it actually do for me? Like, I'm just learning about this now in class, and I don't understand where it goes into the operation. I don't understand how it can be applied during an actual event. Yeah, I remember hearing about this a long time ago, and I was like, huh, that's nice to know. It's and cute. that was it. Yeah, yeah. and I will say I never actually used it. I never have either. I never have either. But it, it could, it could, if you wanted to, it have it fit into your relationship, right? And the general idea yeah. is, well, why is it called the 1300 rule? Okay, so it's a rule of thumb. And that, it's, I'm not so staunch on like I'm against rule of thumbs. I use rules of thumb all the time. However, it, it has a couple of also additional parameters that are like a little bit hard to kind of grasp. So basically what you do is you take the vapor pressure or whatever the hell chemical it is and you multiply it by uh, 1300. And what is right? that? So you? let's, that would get you the maximum concentration potential in a confined space. So this means that you've given it enough time for it to completely uh, hit the whole headspace of it. Second off, you need a confined space with no ventilation profiles. Hmm. And that's not likely because how are you metering it? You know, like the fact that your meter comes into that space means that there's an opening in that right, space. Right, It's It's, it's you know? it lands. So quite often when we teach, and we teach, especially when we're teaching chemical physical properties, right? That, that whole concept of chemical physical properties, it comes down to this idea. You have two parts of your operation. You have your theoretical and you have your reality. And we, when we're doing all of our research, we're, we're in the theoretical phase. We're trying to figure out theoretically what is going on, right? So uh, when mm -hmm. I do this, let's say I had, um, I don't know, I had ethanol and I have ethanol. Okay, so theoretically, I'm walking into an environment with ethanol. What should I see? Well, I should see a reading on my PID. Uh, if the temperature is high enough, I could see flammability, right? I go through and I almost hypothesize what my findings should be, what my PPE should be. And then I have reality where I actually walk in with my meters and I get some kind of a reading and that reading is relayed back. And as a resource person, we compare the two. We compare the theoretical versus what reality is in front of us. And anytime there's a difference between those two, that's where we turn around and we go, ah, what happened isn't what I thought would happen. I need to figure out why. So this idea of the 1300 rule, it can come into play in a couple of different scenarios. Scenario one, uh, you don't have any kind of ability to pick up this chemical whatsoever, right? That's, right. that's where this is going to come into play. It doesn't have a PID. It's not cross-sensitive on anything. It doesn't have any kind of reading on an AP4C or, or whatever, any kind of meter you have. And it has some kind of a potential harm because you know the chemical already, right? Because in order to know the vapor pressure, you need to know what the chemical is. So if you know what the chemical is, you're looking up its harm. And it's turned around and saying, well, this is a skin absorbent or a skin toxic type of material at these levels at these parts per million. Well, if you're turning around and you find out that you have a vapor pressure and you want to estimate what that concentration could be at its max, this is a great rule of thumbs in order to provide the right level of PPE. 
Uh, and then our other one would be, hey, listen, I have this vapor pressure, this chemical. You should see this kind of concentration. I walk in there with my meters and I don't get that concentration. Well, that signals me that there's two, my reality and my theoretical are not matching. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it for our good friend to a, a lower level. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> Let's say... You have a puddle of water outside on a hot day, right? So what happens to that water? It disappears because it's turning into vapor, which is like a little bit like, you know, when when the stuff on the surface gains enough energy to break away, right? That's evaporation. That's kind of like where it goes to. So the 13 rule was a quick way for scientists to guess how much water vapor can be in the air with not with its when it's really hot outside, like in the summer. So it's like a shortcut to figure out how much water could disappear from a puddle without the te- when the temperature changes. Now, the rule says that for every 10 degrees of temperature that goes up, the amount of water vapor that can be in the air almost doubles. And this isn't perfect, but when it's a handy way for us to guess without doing a lot of complicated math. So if it's a warm day and your puddle is disappearing quickly, it's because the warm air can hold more than the visible water and the temperature goes up and it can hold more pretty much like that. That's there's how the 13 hold rule. There's a, a, a key point that you said there, and that's temperature, right? We talk about the yeah. theoretical and looking up the vapor pressure. Well, honest to God, because like Bob said, you change a degrees by 10 and you can and, either double or half the amount of vapor that's going on, depending on which way that temperature drop is. Right. So we need to be aware that there are vapor pressure temperature graphs and curves out there. So if you're going to apply something like a 1300 rule, you need to know, right, when you want to have an idea of what the concentration should be, you should know what the vapor pressure at the temperature that you're really dealing with is, not just whatever that, you know, NIOSH says at 68 degrees or, you know, whatever your SDS is. You could be in the middle of the desert where it's 120 and your vapor pressure is going to be totally different than you'd possibly imagine. Right. But like you said before, you have to know what it is for this whole idea to work. Right. And that's not always true. It's just not a thing. It's you're right. You're really seriously. If you think you're going to walk away from every hazmat scene knowing what went down, you're in for a long career. You're never going to do that. Yeah. And I hate saying never always, but I'm telling you, you're going to be very disappointed in that idea a lot. Yeah. So I think it's it's good to know as a conceptual bit of information, but I think the yeah. reality of it being used in a day-to-day operation that I just don't see it I, I just don't see it being something that you would reach into your toolbox all the time when you're doing research to find out. I agree. I agree. Okay. So, let's talk communication for a second, if you don't mind. If well, you could break away for a moment. You'd have to, right? Because clear communication is, is a challenge in almost any environment, especially if it's loud. Yeah. So Cavcom's new talk through your ears, 5000 is the latest two-way communication accessory for in-suit communications. We just got them. I, I, that's why I was doing this, because they're, I'm pointing at the box we have right there. Yeah. Yeah, literally, right? right. Oh, 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 oh. Here's mine. Oh, there it well, is. It's not mine yet, but I'm not going to send it back. They don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lightweight, compact, requires no batteries. It's powered by your radio, and it works with 
any SCBA's ensemble. And I'm telling you guys, this is the clearest communication device on the market, period. Just yeah. as clear as the, the studio mics that I'm using right now. Uh, and they, they do this through a technology called Talk Through Your Ears, uh, which keeps the outside ambient noise completely isolated from the microphone. It's really, really cool. They have an oversized push-to-talk unit, and it fits uh, universally any kind of radio system that's out there it is that simple yeah so go check them out on their website and tell them where you found out about it so second question second question okay so the second question we have to dive back into a topic that we hate talking about and that's lithium-ion batteries it (laughs) i know i know i know go ahead Uh, It stems, the question stems from fire blankets, right? What are we seeing? Is there any more, right, back a year ago? All this has been changing pretty rapidly, but about a a year ago, the fire blankets really kind of hit the market. Uh, Have there been anything that we know about? Uh, Has anybody used them successfully? And are they something that somebody should have in their toolbox? So those are the, the three subset questions for the, the fire blanket. So I will address the should uh, you have them in your toolbox. Yes, you should have them in your toolbox. You should have everything in your toolbox. This is a, a, a complicated um, system. Uh, let's just work on EV cars for a moment that we don't really fully understand or fully know. And your situation could be something that has yet to be addressed, uh, like a parking garage or uh, you know a manway cover or inside. Having all tools at your disposal is extremely important. But keep in mind, it is nowhere near the end-all, be-all, this fixes everything all the time type of a thing. No, I, I, was, just, um, I was just in California, and I was talking to the, some of the guys, and we were talking about batteries just on a break. And I said, you know, anybody have a Tesla? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, is it true that there are Tesla dealerships that the entire car lot is underneath the Tesla? Like, place. And they're like, yeah, that's how it's done. And I'm like, holy crap, you have a bunch of Teslas underneath the building in like parking Underground? Garages. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I, 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 I'm I, like, it's very smart. But then I'm sitting there going, I don't know if that's really a good idea. Not if he catches fire. <laughs> well, the, 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 point, the point is, is I'm saying that might be an application where the blanket might be a good one because if you have... If you need to make some moves and maybe pull exposures, and I'm talking about exposure like the other Teslas or protecting the exposure on the floor above maybe the people or whatever it might be, the blanket's probably not a bad idea. No, no. Well, let's let's talk about what we know it's going to do and what we know it's not going to do. All right. Uh, what is it going to do? It's going to put out the content fire of the vehicle, right? So it's going to, if you got, you know, yes, we talk about the EV part of the EV vehicle, but we also have to remember that most of the other parts of the vehicle are extremely flammable. Plastics, oils, (laughs) you know, like those things are going to go up like there's no tomorrow and they do rely on oxygen in the atmosphere in order to burn. So by putting the blanket over there, one, we're suppressing that fire, which could prevent the the thermal runaway from from increasing but right because that's going to produce more heat that will drive tipping the tipping of of batteries so if we can eliminate that now we're just dealing with a battery fire 
Right, right. And some things that also that we know is going to happen is it's going to reduce flame impingement on surrounding areas because you're literally covering the car with the blanket. So when Bob talked about, oh, it may not spread to another car or above the car might be protected. Yes, we know that that's possible. What are some of the things it's not going to do? It's not going to stop thermal runaway and it's not going to stop propagation. I don't disagree with that. That's that's still going to happen. Therefore, and I, I like your approach with it. It is you know I I'm not a a Navy SEAL or something where I I'm carrying everything on my back. I have a fire truck that carries lots of weight. So why wouldn't you have all the tools in your toolbox? Because the blanket takes care of problem A combustibles, and now problem B is going to be done by whatever other method you pick out. And I'm not getting into that whole thing because. Um, there is something on the market that might be able to do that uh, or coming to market. Uh, not yet. But, which which um, is actually question three, so don't jump ahead to that one. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> it's I didn't okay. even know that. No, and we don't even have much answer on it. It was just a question that came through. Uh, all right, so fire blanket. What, Bob, would you see as a potential um, pitfall of the fire blanket? Something that somebody's going to do and then be like, oh, crap, I didn't realize that until after I employed it. Oh, a problem with it. I don't know. Maybe there's a person in the car or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that would be that would be phenomenally <laughs> horrific. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I, was, I really don't know. I was thinking, you know, we talk about it protecting exposures, but there is one exposure it doesn't protect. It can't protect oh, the ground. Yeah, it doesn't protect down. So I think that needs to be at least a thought process where it's like. <gasps> in I got it. What? Go. I got it. We. You make the the and we dispose of the fire blanket and we make the sleeping bag. I was gonna go with a burrito. Very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the battery burrito. The oh my god! Battery so burrito. And then we we you know we fold it like it's a burrito and we tuck it in. It's got the little <laughs> the little knobby part in the back. It's so. Oh, we're gonna patent that. Somebody's gonna have to write that down. All right. <laughs> So no, that's uh, a good point. It doesn't it doesn't stop all that energy because that's really what it is. It's heat energy being applied to the floor, you which, know, and the heat is still freely passing through the blanket to go out. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the blanket's whole reason to operate is that it 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 lets the smoke build up and choke the fire out. Right, right. And that's the premise. and it and it prevents radiant heat. Right. We've got okay. we've got our, we've got our three ways of conducting heat. Right. So, yes, you're saying it's still letting some it's still letting the heat out. It's going to let that out through conduction. Right. Right. And then the radiant heat that would say melt an exposure or cause fire to jump from one exposure to another with no flame in the middle. It's going to help right. protect against that. So, yeah, have the have the fire. Absolutely have the fire blanket as a tool in the toolbox. But let's really make sure that we're understanding its limitations same as we did with cell block we'll get into that another day and uh same as we are doing with you know these these devices that are supposed to cool under the vehicle uh putting water as saline uh to discharge the batteries as long as we understand the limitations and that nothing is an end-all be-all then i think we're operating safely yeah i think people are going to start wrapping their heads around that this multi-pronged approach 
because we were just talking about this earlier today is like, you know, at a certain point, everybody's going to kind of understand the game. And there's a lot of reps out there and not not rep representatives, but a lot of people doing these batteries incidences. And we have been sharing all this information. It's been coming from places of like, you know, I've actually done this kind of thing. And there's there's going to be better tools that are going to come out. And I, honestly, they all have some merit. It's just, you know, what's your budget? You know, one day, Bob, we will have a conversation about batteries and it will be our last battery conversation ever someday it will happen i I don't know if today's that day uh real real quick we only got a few minutes but the uh, last question was about that product that you were referring to the cold cut what is happening with it we heard you guys talk about it we haven't heard anything since and the answer to that is well we don't have any additional information Right. They're, they are coming. I know they're coming to do a live demo in San Diego, um, and that was maybe a last week or so. Um, I'm going to check it with my contacts out there, but um, we are going to be uh, trying to get some video to bring it to your attention. And, and get them on the show. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I want to talk to them. I want, to, I want them to show. I want them to see. I want everybody to eat with their eyes and see what we're talking about because – you know, we we sat in the, the demo and I'm like, oh, and then like 10 minutes, I'm like, I'm like, huh, this is pretty and cool. Minutes, I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Yeah. By the time it was like a half hour in, I'm like, that might do it. Right. It's either going to work phenomenally or they have a really good BS sales department. We're not sure yet, uh, but we promise you that when we have more information, we will absolutely truthfully tell you what we think of everything. Yes. So I guess that's wraps it. That pretty much wraps it up. All right. Well, let's just thank our last bits of sponsors. Facing chemical spills, waste disposal, or environmental challenge, SMR Rapid Response offers expert solutions. You can reach them in Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina at 800-248-5816 or smrrapidresponse.net. And truthfully, one of my favorite companies out there, IEC, Industrial Emergency Council, is a not-for-profit led by experts. They are a training company. They provide diverse response, emergency response training. Uh, They've got over 40 years of experience. They collaborate with fire departments, public agencies, militaries, and the private sector. So if you want to know about more what IEC can do for you, visit iectraining.org or give them a ring, 650-508-9008. See you guys.